0: Uh, my name is john and i am blessed to serve as the pastor here and i want to encourage you to find your way to revelation chapter number 12 and we're going to be uh in 12 and 13 i'm going to reference chapter 14 but we don't have time really to get into all of uh, chapter 14 but wasn't that a great report uh for vacation bible school and i want to say thank you i know uh to to allison our children's director she puts a lot of energy and effort and work and dedication to make it a great uh, bible school and so i'm thankful for her i'm also thankful as violetta said for all the volunteers there were over 60 volunteers that came high school students young adults and not so young adults that were here helping and it was just awesome to see the church come together and minister to so many kids and of course the greatest number was that 13 kids gave their life to Christ, amen, and for that. Yeah, you can, you can praise the Lord for that. And uh, so, if you are new with us today, we are in a series, as you can see here on the screens, Final Destination, okay? And so we are walking, well, I should say we are flying through, flying over the book of Revelation, and as we fly through this, we don't have time to get into all the there's so much in this book, and hopefully you've taken some time maybe to study on your own. There's so much information, but really kind of the main thought, I guess, our goal in flying over the book of Revelation is, is we believe that, that every one of us, we do have a final destination somewhere. Okay, we are eternal beings. That, that's what we see in, in Scripture. The Bible says God has written eternity on our hearts. We are eternal, and we are going to spend eternity in one of two places. You're either going to spend an eternity in a place of paradise called heaven or you're going to spend an eternity in a place of punishment called hell. And in order to know where your final destination is, you, you have to make a reservation while you're here. And so our goal is that everyone here, everyone in our community, everyone in the world, would hear how to have their final destination be in heaven with Jesus. And it's very simple. You have to make a reservation here, and the reservation is made by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus clearly said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so what we want you to know, if you, if you hear... You know, we're gonna, we're, we have some weird scriptures we're going to read today about beasts from the seas and beasts of the earth and ten horns and seven heads. And it's just kind of strange, to be honest with you. If, if, if you get lost in all that, what I want you to know up front is this, that God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And that if you place your faith and hope of eternity in the work on the cross of Jesus Christ, you can have your reservation made for your final destination. That's that's the summary. We could probably just say amen and go home, but I've studied a lot, so we're not gonna do that, all right? Now, let me give you a quick overview because some of you I know are new and some of you uh, forgot what I said last week anyways. So, the book of Revelation was written by a man, by the Apostle John, around 95 AD. He was exiled as a Roman prisoner to the island of Patmos. The reason he was a a Roman prisoner was because, a prisoner of Rome was because he continued to tell people, if you're gonna make a reservation for your final destination, you have to place your faith in Jesus. That was his message, the same message we're teaching you today. And because of that message, Rome didn't like that message, he was sent to the island of Patmos. While he was there in prison, you know, on the island, Jesus appeared to him, gave him a vision, and really this is several of those visions that are laid out for us in the book of Revelation. There's a basic like outline structure of the book in Revelation 1 verse 19, and I go over this every week just to kinda help you see the structure of the book. So Jesus is talking to the Apostle John in verse 19 of chapter one, and he says, write these things which you have seen. That particular, Section is chapter 1. He saw the throne room of God. He saw the risen Christ The verse goes on to say The things that are which are and and those are referencing chapter 2 and 3 the the seven churches of Asia Minor that we walk through and Then he says and the things which will take place after that or after this. This is chapters 4 through 22 future events for the most part except for a few instances of looking back chapters 4 through 22 are future events, okay? So let me give you, and, and if you are taking notes, you may wanna get your phone out and take a picture of the next image on the screen. This is just the, the timeline we are going by for end times prophecy. And what you will see in this timeline is that this is based on what we believe scripture teaches of a pre-tribulation rapture. That in Revelation chapter four, verse one, I wish you guys all took pictures of me like that every Sunday, i will say like all these phones out. All right, so we gotta, you know, mental break for a second. Have you guys noticed anything different about my face today? Okay, Here, here's what I need you to know. Uh, this is not my nose, I'm gonna skip that, all right? I don't really care if you like my mustache or not. No, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, all right? I'm a, I am shocked. At how many people give me their opinion about my facial hair? Just to be honest with you, good, bad, ugly, you're fat, young, I don't know, and it's it's no respecter of persons. It's not just a certain demographic. Like I had a kid tell me two weeks ago, "Well, your hair's gray and your mustache brown. It looks stupid." You're like, oh, ah. okay, you sound like your grandma. That's what I said. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, I. So, I lost the challenge. I was going to say bet, but I'm not sure if that's right. I lost the challenge. So, every year in Bible school, like, we normally, if the the guys raise more money for missions, then I get to throw a pie in Allison's face, which that never happens. Thank you, guys. You let me down every year. Uh, And then, uh, if the girls win, I get to throw a pie in her face. That never happens. But... This year, because the truth is, so many people giving their opinion about my mustache, which I thought looked quite great. Uh, My wife did not. That's really the only opinion that matters, by the way. But I decided, hey, if the the girls win the offering, then I'll shave my mustache off in front of all the kids, right? And it became like this big thing. One of the, I think it was the kindergarten group, came in the last day all having mustaches on. It was awesome. (laughs) But... I lost, okay? I, I'm going to end this story because I don't know where I'm going with it. All right, so here's the timeline. Again, as we think about Revelation 4, chapter 1, talks about John. I believe John is a type of the church. He's a picture of the church when, when Jesus brings him to heaven and he begins to unfold future events, what we see, chapter 6 through 18, what we would term as the tribulation period. You can see on the timeline, that's what we've been walking through the last few weeks we're going to go all the way through this timeline in the next few next few weeks so i just thought it might uh, as we've kind of given all this information maybe this timeline would help you see where we're at where we're going let me introduce to you five characters that we're going to see in chapter 12 and chapter 13 i'm going to give you who scripture says they are up front so that you won't have to know and then as we read the text i'll kind of explain that so there's five characters three in chapter 12 2 and chapter 13. The first one being a woman who we believe to be Israel. The dragon, Satan. The male child is Jesus Christ. The beast of the sea is the Antichrist. And the beast of the earth is the false prophet. All right, so those of you who have taken a picture, I'll pause for a moment let you keep doing that. All right, so Revelation chapter 12, and we're going to read the first 11 verses, and then we'll kind of give you some explanation, right? Revelation twelve one. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland with twelve a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems on his head, his tail through a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a wrought iron, and her child was caught up to God in his throne. Then the woman fled in the wilderness where she is a place prepared by God that, she should feed her, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Again, this is a reverence to three and a half years half of the tribulation period. Verse seven, and a war broke out in heaven, Michael, which is known as the archangel, okay, and we'll see in, uh, we don't have time to look at it, but in Daniel chapter 12, if you're making side notes there, he's known as the defender of Israel, all right? So verse seven, a war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, as Marty already told us this morning, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer so the great dragon was cast out the serpent of old called the devil and satan who deceives the world he is cast to earth and his angels were cast out with him then i heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our god and the power of his christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our god day and night has been cast down they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death therefore rejoice o heavens and you who dwell in them woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because i love this sentence because he knows that his days or he has a short time Amen. satan will ultimately be stopped you say amen to that. As Marty said, we have a victory in Jesus. So as we, as we look at the characters, all right, we see the first here, the woman is the first great sign mentioned. And Genesis, this is a reference, the sun, the moon, and the, is a reference to Genesis chapter 37, verse 9. If you remember uh, Old Testament history at all, maybe in Sunday school, you heard about Joseph with the coat of many colors. And, and this is the dream Joseph had, and this is one of the reasons this dream is one of the reasons that his brothers hated him. But what does it say in Genesis 37, 9? Then he, he being Joseph's dream, still another dream, he told it to his brothers and said, Look, I've had a dream, another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bow down to me. All right, so what we see is a direct correlation between this dream the nation of Israel, and now the nation of Israel mentioned here as the woman, all right? The second great sign, which is the red fiery dragon mentioned in verse number three. And again, red really just speaks to, like, he's violent, he's murder, he's war. The heads, the horns really just speak to his authority that he has now on earth. And remember, the only authority Satan has is the authority that God allows, God is always in control. Satan is always in the confines of the authority of God. But he has great authority, great power. And then look in verse number nine. So if you wonder who is the red fiery dragon, you need to know when you study scripture, and there's a lot of confusing things right in, in scripture, but the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Okay, go back to the Bible and see. Again, as we think about who is the woman, we'll go back to the Bible. Genesis tells us the, 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 that the woman is Israel. But look at verse number nine. We don't have to wait long. We have to go digging around. Well, who's the red fiery dragon? Because it says in verse nine, so the great dragon was cast out, and it uses this word, the serpent of old. It's referencing Genesis chapter three. Remember when the serpent came to deceive Adam and Eve. He's called the devil, Satan, who deceives the world? He's cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And we know Peter told us in 1 Peter 5:8 that he is a roaring like lion, seeking whom he may what devour. What does he say? Be sober, be vigilant, because you're what your adversary. One of the names of Satan. In fact, as we look at these names mentioned in chapter 9, just give them you quick, again we said serpent of old, really referencing Genesis chapter 3. The devil simply means accuser. As Marty already mentioned, verse number 9, Satan means adversary or enemy, what we just read in 1 Peter 3.18. What is his role? He deceives the world. He's the accuser of the brethren. And I believe Um, I believe God must have been working because Marty pretty much said what I'm about to say already in his own study, God revealed this to him, that I think one of the greatest tools of Satan is this role as the accuser of the brethren or the deceiver of the world. So even as a follower of Jesus and Satan would like you to believe that you have no value, that you are not good enough, that, oh, if the church only knew what your past was like. There's no way God could use you because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. Oh, you go to church on Sunday, but what did you do last Friday? Like, Satan wants you to live in the state of, I'm less than, I'm not worthy, God couldn't use me. In fact, it's the same lie he would tell you before you become a follower of Jesus. God couldn't love you. You have done this. And there's no way that Jesus died for you. You are, and, and you could fill in your own blanks, right? Because I, I'm convinced that every one of us in the room, there is, some, there is some insecurity in our own life that Satan wants to use to keep us paralyzed from God using us. I, I mean, I have weaknesses that Satan likes me to, to feel like I'm, I'm not worthy to do, and I'm not worthy to do what I've been called to do. And here's what I, I guess I just want to pause for a moment and say to you today that if, if in your life right now, the accuser has gotten you feel depressed, discouraged, less than, most likely you are probably living in some form of isolation. And what you need is godly people in your life to speak truth into you. And I'm thankful that every Wednesday night, right here in this room at 6.30, we have a group called Regeneration, a ministry here that speaks into that. Because all of us have either hurts, maybe some hangups, maybe some habits. And when we fall into those cycles, those patterns, Satan, the accuser, wants to keep us in that cycle, that pattern. What he doesn't want you to do is to tell someone about it. What God wants you to do, so the scripture is very clear. In 1 John, we confess our sins to God for forgiveness. But James says we confess our sins to one another for healing. And I just wanna encourage you today, if you are stuck in one of those cycles of hurts, or habits, or hangups, Wednesday night at 6.30, it's a safe place because it's filled with people in the room who are oftentimes stuck in patterns of hurts and habits and hang-ups. And I'm confident in saying that. You know why? Because me, myself, often I get into cycles of hurts and habits and hang-ups. And it's, it's Satan. Satan wants to keep you thinking that you are less Dan. All right, that was, that was my commercial for Regen. I, I'm just convinced that if you're hurting right now, you need to be here on Wednesday night. You, you need a safe environment to get into the word and to have people speak truth into your life. That you are, you're not a prisoner to your past. You don't, you don't have to continue in this cycle. There is victory in Jesus. Do, do we agree with that? All right. So, the woman is Israel, and the dragon is Satan. Let's look at Revelation 12, verse 5. It says, she bore a child, again, this is the nation of Israel, who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Okay, well, so we said that was Jesus. How are we going to prove that that is Jesus? So in Psalm chapter 2, which is a, a passage about the Messiah, it says in verse 8 and 9 of Psalm chapter 2, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. So again, it's a direct correlation between the Messiah, again referenced in Revelation. We also see in Revelation 19.15, we're going to get to this in a few weeks. This is the, the Battle of Armageddon, the second coming of Christ when he comes to to. to finally get victory over Satan, final victory. Look what it says in 19, verse 15. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. This is speaking of Jesus. That with it he should strike the nations. He himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And so God is coming. Jesus is coming. He is what's mentioned here, the rod of iron, the male child. And in verse 4, we see in Revelation twelve four, we see that the dragon was waiting for the male child to be born so that he could devour, because he knows that if Jesus the Messiah is born, the redemptive plan of God is going to be fulfilled. And we see all throughout history, the nation of Israel has been attacked. It's Satan's plan to stop the redemptive plan of God all the way back to remember when Moses was born in Egypt and remember what Pharaoh did he wanted to kill all the babies born under the age of two all the male children why because Satan wanted to destroy the seed of the woman the nation of Israel When we think of the story of Haman and Esther and remember Haman in Persia had it where all the Jews were going to be killed and thank you Esther for such a time as this, right? And she stood on behalf of the nation of Israel. God protected his redemptive plan. When Jesus was born, remember Herod of Rome, he had all the boys under 2 years of age murdered. God rescued Jesus. We think of Hitler in Germany, he attacked the Jewish nation. Why would he do that? Because he was being used by Satan, its demonic activity. We see even today in Iran, What would they, and and really, when we think of radical Islam, what would they still chant today? Death to America and death to Israel. Okay, it is of Satan. That Satan wants to devour the male child because why why would Satan fight so hard to destroy the nation of Israel? Because the promise was, remember all the way back to Abraham, Abraham, you know, was not born a Jew, okay? Abraham was not born worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham was a Gentile who worshiped pagan gods. But God came to him and said, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and out of your nation, all nations will be blessed. Speaking of Jesus. You see, God has always had a redemptive plan. God has always been pursuing us. God has always made a way for us to get to heaven. God has always had a plan for us to have a reservation for a final destination. And even as we've walked through this in the book of Revelation, when we were in the the seven seals, remember, there was like this pause and we get the story of the 144,000 who will come on the scene in the tribulation period. And they will proclaim Jesus, and many, all tribes, nations, and tongues are going to respond to the gospel, even in the period of the Great Tribulation. Last week, when we were talking about the seven trumpets, again, the judgment of God on mankind and on earth, and in the middle of all this chaos, remember we talked about the two Witnesses and the two witnesses are going to do what they're going to proclaim Jesus that you can have a reservation for your final Destination God is always pursuing us. That's what scripture says when God is not willing that any should perish but that all come to repentance to have a restoration with their creator Even today as we walk through chapter 12 and chapter 13. We don't have time to get to it but in chapter 14 God sends angels to the earth during this great tribulation to proclaim salvation through Jesus. And Satan knows his time is short. And he knows the end of the story. Verse 17, chapter 12. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war. The rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have testimony of Jesus Christ. So in verses 13 through 17, we should really take time to read it. It seems like it shifts, and we're talking about, this section is talking about the tribulation period. God's going to protect the Jewish people. Satan's going to turn up the heat on all followers of Jesus. It says, as we just read in verse 17, the offspring, those who have given their life to Christ, may not be uh, their nationality may not be Jewish, but they're followers of Jesus, and he shifts his attack because he knows his time is short. And so again, it's just referencing the judgment, the attack of Satan during the seven years of tribulation. Now, chapter 13 continues the, the, the story of what's going to take place during these seven years of tribulation. It's when we're introduced to the two characters, All right, Some people have... Uh, termed these two, the beast of the sea, who's the antichrist, the beast from the earth, which is a false prophet. As you know, if you're older, you may know of the dynamic duo, right? Batman and Robin, but then people would call these guys the demonic duo. I've also heard the term, as we think of the dragon Satan, antichrist, and the false prophet as the unholy trinity. Okay, we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now Satan tries to counterfeit that, and we have Satan, Antichrist, false prophet. So the first part of chapter 13, let's walk through this, talks about the Antichrist. And again, we don't have time to give you all of uh, his role, but let's just walk through it quickly, all right? Verse 1, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea. Now, most of the time in Revelation, when it talks about the sea here, like it is here, it's not literally talking about a body of water, it's talking about a sea of humanity. So out of the earth, out of mankind, having — and it then goes to describe — it had seven heads, ten horns. Again this is speaking more to authority, not to an actual image. Verse number 2, Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And then the dragon, which is Satan, came by his power, his throne, and great authority, all right? So where does the Antichrist get his authority and his power? From God, I mean, from God, from Satan, excuse me. Now, it's partly true because Satan has no authority that God doesn't give him, all right? But the dragon gives the Antichrist his authority, his power. Verse 4, so they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, "Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him?" And it was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemy, and he was given authority to continue for forty-two months, three and a half years. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God, to blaspheme His name, His tabernacle, and those who dwell in the heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Authority was given him over every tribe, tongue and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose name have not been written in the book of the Lamb of life, slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And so it just describes, really, that the Antichrist, so as we think of the Antichrist, he will be really... Um, A charismatic leader who has the ability to bring the worlds together. So what the Antichrist is going to do is basically bring one world government, okay? All the people together. Now, I'll be honest, as many times as I've heard this and read this and studied this, I think of how, especially us as Americans, how independent we are, I think, I don't know how easy that's gonna be to have one world government. But to be honest, the last two years has kind of changed my mind on that. And it it seems to make sense a little more clear of how this is gonna happen. When you think of, when when you have chaos, it's much easier to control people, okay? And that's what's gonna happen during the tribulation period. There's gonna be chaos. This man is gonna rise up as a leader and bring peace to the nations for the first three and a half years of the tribulation. And then war is going to break out. He's going to reveal himself of who he really is. Okay? Now, when we think of this term Antichrist, the, the reality is that word is not mentioned anywhere in the book of Revelation. It's 28 times in this book, it's mentioned as the beast. Okay, but in 1 John, again the Apostle John, the author of 1 John and 2 John and 3 John, and also revelation, he mentions the word antichrist five different times. And when he speaks of future events, he says there will be a day, speaking of this period of time, that capital A antichrist will bring the world together. And he goes on to say, even today though, there are many small A antichrist, okay? And so we think of antichrist as someone against Christ, but also we we could think of a, a, a counterfeit Christ. okay now let's keep reading because we want to get through the material right and i'm going to tie this up together at the end so we see the antichrist who's going to lead the world to one world government peace on earth for a few years verse number 11 then i saw another beast coming up out of the earth he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon he exercises all 30 of the of the first beast in his presence and he causes the earth and those who dwell in to worship the first beast, all right? So as the false prophet, he wants people to worship the Antichrist. It says, "...whose deadly wound was healed." He, verse 13, he performs great signs, so it even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sign of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as it would would not worship the image of the beast to be (coughs) killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich, poor, free, and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name, Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is 666. And so basically, to summarize what's going to take place, that the last three and a half years of the great tribulation, That in order, as we have already read, because of the 144,000 witnesses, because of the two witnesses, because what we'll see in chapter 14 of the angels who proclaim the gospel, I believe many people, in fact, it says from all tribes, tongues, and nations, will give their life to Jesus during this seven-year period. However, to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to have to take a stand that's going to cost your life. That's what this last few verses says. That as a follower of Jesus, if you not receive the mark of the beast, if you not worship the image, similarly we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not worship the image, they would be killed. So, it always comes back to this. I believe, based on Revelation chapter four and verse one and other texts of scripture, that I'm not going to have to live through all this craziness as a follower of Jesus. But if I'm wrong and we do have to live through it, guess what is still true? My hope is in Jesus. And there may be a time in America that standing for Jesus becomes a decision of life or death. The, the reality is more people in the world face persecution for their faith than don't. That's just the reality of it. Again, how should it live me, lead me to live? We, we said this for the last several weeks. What I believe about the future should impact how I live in the present. I should not want my neighbor to go through the seven-year tribulation period. You should not want your neighbor, your grandkids, your co-workers, the people you go to school with. And see, it's sometimes really comforting to study in times and be in the church setting and say, yes, we have victory in Jesus. We're not going to have to go through that. Oh, thank God we're not going to have to go through that. But if it doesn't shift from being grateful for what... We've had and lead us to tell people about Jesus, then we're missing something. God didn't give us the Book of Revelation just so we could sit in church and say, "Wow, it stinks to be those guys," right? So what what would we what would we do about it? By the way, I did hear something interesting this week that I never heard because, again, I've grown in church my whole life. I've heard this view of uh, the end times my entire life. I went to college and heard this view, and I've heard so many different uh, versions over the years of who people think the Antichrist is. You guys have probably heard them a lot too, right? But I heard a, a new one this week that I hadn't, I, at least I don't remember hearing, okay? Um, and it was that many, well, I don't even know how many, some believed that Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist because Ronald, six letters. Wilson, his middle name, six letters. Reagan, six letters. 666. It had to be Ronald Reagan, right? People people believe that. Now, when you think about how the scriptures describe the Antichrist, charismatic, good-looking, great talker, could unite worlds, he kind of fits it, didn't he? But he's dead, so it's not him, okay? And you know one of the one of the newest ones was you know in 2020 if you the, the campaign for Biden and Harris if you were to text in their, their text in number someone actually divided that into 20 the year 2020 so 2020 divided by I, I remember it was 30330 I think was the text in number you know what the result was 0. 0.0666 right craziness like that's why you should not get stuck in all this study of numerology, okay? If it's clear in Scripture, stick to that. okay? If it's not clear in Scripture, don't get stuck on that, okay? So we don't know who the Antichrist is. Is it possible the Antichrist is alive right now? Yeah, it is. It is, it is very possible. I've got two binders in my office. I, I meant to bring them, but I didn't. I've got two binders in my office Uh, full of sermons from the 70s from my grandfather-in-law. And you know what most everyone, I don't know how I got these two binders, but you know what these two binders are filled with? Study of Daniel and Revelation. And when he stood in this church in the 1970s and said, could the Antichrist be alive today? He could have. And that's how we should live is anticipation that at any moment, Christ could return. The rapture of the church could take place. And if we believe all these things we've been reading, it should impact how we live today. I, w- I want to point out one passage of scripture. So turn with me to, to 1 Peter, all right? So we've, the last two weeks we've been in 1 Thessalonians 5, we've made like several points about how we should live. Last week we said you should be a witness. You should walk with Christ. You should worship Him. Uh, two weeks ago, based on the day of the Lord coming in First Thessalonians five, we should you should wake up. You should sober up. You should suit up. Now let's look at First Peter five. There is a lot in Scripture about how we should live in light of eternity coming. All right. So First Peter three. I don't know. I think I said five. First Peter three. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the Lord that are in them will be burned up. All the works that are in them will be burned up. You'll see in this passage we're reading, three different times you hear the word therefore. Okay, and it's always in reference to verse number 10, but the day of the Lord will come. Because of the day of the Lord will come, Verse 11, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be? Isn't this a great question to ask? If, if you believe what we believe about the future, then how should it impact today? What, what manner of person ought you to be? Clearly ask the question. Well, holy conduct and godliness, like you should be a person who lives out the biblical principles of God's word. Be God-like, Christ-like. Verse 12, looking, hastening, that means anticipating the coming day of god because of which the heavens will be dissolved being in fire and elements with, will melt with fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells like all of this is in if, if we believe what we say we believe how should we live anticipating verse 14 here's the word again therefore beloved looking forward to these things be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot And blameless we should walk like Christ consider that long-suffering of our Lord is salvation and as also our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given to him has written to you as also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand that's true which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction that's true as they do also the rest of scriptures you therefore Since you know this beforehand, the day of the Lord is coming. Since you know this, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. What a great word. Beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. Because Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He's your adversary. He's a roaring lion, seeking who may devour, beware. goes on to say, being led away with error of the wicked, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The simple, while we wait today is this, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My question to conclude today is this: Are you growing in your faith? Are you actively growing in your faith? Because the truth is, none of us, none of us drift toward godliness, and none of us drift toward holiness. If you don't have practical, intentional steps every day to grow your faith then I'm going to answer the question for you. You are not growing in your faith. If the only time you open up the Bible app or your Bible is on Sunday morning, then I'm going to answer the question for you. You are not growing in your faith. The reality of Christ's return and the rapture of his church should lead us, as we just read through that text, to pursue godliness and to grow in our faith. And if you're not doing that, can I challenge you? Start. In our men's breakfast yesterday, Caleb Shalowitz, he just challenged all of us as men. Start, like write it down, set some goals. How am I gonna grow in my faith? And then do it. I wanna ask you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you just to, to sit in a moment for a minute am I, and, and wrestle with the question, am I actively growing in my faith? Am I taking steps every single day? Am I intentional? I mean, a lot of people meal prep these days, and it's good, and it's healthy, it, it helps me eat good. Maybe, maybe we should meal prep spiritually. What are some steps you can take to ensure that you are growing in your faith so that you can be the salt and light that God has called you to be?